This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Masvidal is the BMF. Darren Till and Kevin Lee bounce back. Did Corey Anderson earn the next shot at John Jones? And Greg Hardy faces his toughest test to date. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa or to the podcast. You can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found. I'm here with Joe Valtellini. It's been a while, Joe. I know it has been. We had back-to-back glory shows in Europe, and that whacks me out. you got a couple weeks now. That's exhausting, yes. We have two weeks. But to go from Dusseldorf, Germany, home a week, you know, back to Lyon, France. So I'm six-hour time difference. Come home, adjust the time. As soon as I get back to Toronto time, boom, i got to go back to Europe time. So it really hurts. So um, this next couple weeks off is going to be great. But then we head into Chicago. We have back-to-back shows, wow. which is going to be a big test for me because I'm used to only one event. And having to save my voice for two shows in one weekend, like, argh. We're going to see how it does. It's broadcaster Joe Valtellini's toughest test to date. It is, yeah. It's like when I fought in Japan. I had to fight two fights in one <laughs> night. I have to pace myself, control their strategy. So I need that commentary strategy, which means, you know, maybe pacing myself, not getting too crazy on the prelim fights, and just saving that energy for the fights that matter. Can I give you a tip? Let's hear it. Wetterspoon honey lozenges. Really? Very good for maintaining the voice. All right. They're on Amazon or uh, so or at different health stores. Health Pla- Healthy Planet has them, and uh, they are not a paid paid uh, sponsor of the show. However, I do use them. Wetterspoon Manuka Honey Drops. Okay, excellent. Done. Yes. All right. They I'm have ginger have to... flavored. Uh, they have um, like a eucalyptus flavor. They got lots of the four, three good. or four flavors. All right, Very good. Done. My dad. Uh, my dad's old school. He used to give me the Fisherman's Friend. Yeah. And it, eh, they're terrible, oh, but they they're good. Like, but these taste like really honey. Good. These are good. They I'm taste into like honey. It. They clear yeah. your whole. Yeah, it's really good. Good. I'm into it. So I got to prepare. Maybe do some voice practices or something. I don't know. I was talking to Todd Grishman. Yeah, I got to do some voice exercises. I'm like, what voice exercises are you doing? So apparently he's preparing somehow. Mm, we'll yeah. see. Well, but. let's let's get in the time machine for a second. Uh, yeah. We're going to go back to when Joe Valtellini was the welterweight champion of the world in glory. Yes. Now, let's say there was a glory event taking place at Madison Square Garden, the the, the world's the world's greatest arena, mm-hmm. the world's most historic arena, or whatever they call it, and it's a matchup between Nikki Holskin yes. and Grunhardt for the BMF of glory. Yes. How does that make you feel? How does that make me feel as the champion of that division? Uh... And they've got a, a belt being made for the winner of that fight because they are the baddest man in yeah. glory. Am I currently fighting? Yeah, you're the champion. Oh, I'm the current you're the champion? active champion. Um, I'd have a good laugh at it. I'd probably be the one laughing. But like, okay, you can be the baddest man, but I'm the world champion. This is the belt that matters. You okay, know? well, that's a good way of looking at it. I wasn't sure if you'd be offended. Would, you, would, would that offend you if they put that together? Is that was no, a bigger you can be fight? the yeah. baddest, but sometimes, to me, the baddest doesn't mean the best. You know? Can you? Yeah. So you don't think those two things are mutually exclusive? No. The baddest kind of what... means the toughest. You've been in there. You're in for exciting fights. You want to see blood and cuts. But the best in the world, man, Floyd Mayweather doesn't get touched. He's not the baddest man on the planet, but he's the best on the planet. Yeah. So I mean, I think there's a big difference, and I think uh, you know the Kamara Usman's, the the Colby Covingtons. They know. They know there's levels. Mm-hmm. Well, Diaz said something interesting leading up to the fight, which was that the champions and the belts have ruined MMA. Because everybody's so consumed with protecting the belt that they're not willing to actually get into a fight. I think even this champ-champ situation is getting a little out of hand. I mean, it's like one belt isn't enough. I think historically, the one guy who dominated the belt for so long could mean a lot more than the one guy jumping back and forth, winning some, losing some. I mean, you got to respect like what the uh, the GSPs, the Anderson Silvas did, where they completely dominated Mm -hmm. the division. That 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 to me is pretty pretty bad. That's a pretty BMF right there. If yeah. you can sit there and, and and dominate your division for that many years and that many consistent fights, I think just people now need to have multiple belts, multiple titles. It's just it's the name of the sport. Well, how know? many of these champ champs are actually top five all time? If you were if you were to do a top five all time of the champ like champs, a, no, no, just top top five MMA fighters of all time. How many of them have been double champs? Because you got to put Jones on there, you got to put GSP on there. GSP's been put, a double champ. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's kind of hard to give him that double uh, champ. Yeah, but it, it is, is kinda you weird. know. Yeah. But uh, he still did it. But yeah. uh, but he's also the guy who dominated the welterweight division mm-hmm. for and so that's long. That's why he's there, Absolutely. not because he's a double champ. Yes, I in agree. fact, if he had never won that title, you still got to call him. You still call him. Yeah, he's yeah. still one of the, the pound for pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, John Jones, Silva, DC. I think. Would you yeah. put DC? I think DC is in the mix for sure as the top five. The problem with DC's resume now is it's messed up because he was always everybody always said. Um, you know, he wasn't able to be 
he, he wasn't able to beat John Jones, so the you know, but he's undefeated at heavyweight, never lost the heavyweight, but now he has. But now he has. So yeah. you know, the, that doesn't. This is the problem with assessing talent in mixed martial arts, is that we're in a very matchup driven sport. Where, you know, there's always going to be someone like a John Jones who can beat everybody. Yep. And that's how you really measure greatness. But sometimes matchups or how that person performed that night, like it, all these little things play into yep. narratives. Even Nate, even Nate Diaz now. Like, what is Nate Diaz after that loss to Masvidal? Like yeah. He was ranked seventh going ranked in. Seventh he that, wasn't he a title be. contender. Yeah. Um, I think he's there for some good, fun fights. I yeah. think, if anything, you always have Conor McGregor waiting for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's his last big money fight. After outside of Conor McGregor, sure. I'm not sure what else he has. Will he have great fights? Yeah, I'm sure he could. But to get those big, massive fights that he's looking for, I think only real that's left for him is Conor. And let's be honest. Would you want to see a rematch with Masvidal right away? No. I, I don't think there needs to be one. Yeah. I, and I'm in the minority here. The Like... So we're going to do a rematch just so we can see that Masvidal can finish Nate Diaz? Because that, wasn't a, that was, was not a close fight. No, it do, he got dominated. Yeah, that was not a close fight. Yeah, And I think that Masvidal has shown so much improvement in this last year, a market improvement. And the funny thing about Masvidal is like he's probably next in line for the title after Usman and, and Covington. I think to so be. too. But the funny thing is his most recent win is his least impressive in terms of his resume at 170. Yeah. Like he beats Till. Till was like a top three or four guy at Absolutely. the time. Absolutely. Bigger beats, guy. He beats strong. Astron, undefeated guy, never been touched, loses in five, beats him in five seconds. Now, of course, Maya beating Astron kind of take, diminishes that a little bit, but little not, bit, not much. Yeah. And then Nate Diaz, who has lost to a lot of different welterweights. Yeah. I mean, I just don't know where this Masvidal came from. I mean, there, it couldn't. he's been with the same team. So what adjustments could have been made that much technically? So I think for him, the biggest thing is that mindset he's coming in with now. Yeah. And I think that's been the biggest difference from him. Let's be honest. If you're training with a team for 20 years, how much are you changing technically to make that much of a big difference at the tail end of your career to be at this hype? Man, something mentally must have clicked with him, and he's just on fire. Yeah, and I think it is that mentality. His manager talked about they put him on a reality show of some sort where he had no access to like technology for months. Yeah. And then when he came off that, he was basically reborn when he came off that reality show and said, Jeez. like, line him up. Just pay. Anybody who you think is a good fight for me that's going to make my career better, line him up. And he's just answered the call and beat them and all. And what I've loved about him, too, he's not huge. He's not over-muscular. He's not overly athletic-looking. He looks like your small welterweight. Mm-hmm. And he's just hitting hard. He's putting on exciting fights. He's never been finished. I, I don't think he's ever been finished, has he? Has he has once, once by uh, Rodrigo Dam in a fight that shouldn't have been stopped. But it was okay. a TKO. And that's the only time he's been yeah, stopped? That's or the only time he's been stopped. And never been submitted, TKO. I believe. I don't know if, yeah, I don't think he's been submitted, but I'll, yeah. I'll check that out. Oh, but, no, he has, by Imada in Bellator. Okay. I think but that might have been the only years time. Ago. Yeah, years ago. And, uh, over uh, a fight record that probably yeah. has, and what, And a lot of his losses were minimum? split decisions. Like, uh, how many split... I think he had, like, three split decisions in a row at some point. I'm going to look that up. But, uh, yeah, he was submitted by... Yeah, the, the TKO was Rodrigo Dam. If you go back and watch that, it was at, uh, Sengoku. More than 10 years ago, but it wasn't... Uh, yeah, it's yeah. crazy. He, he got subbed by Paul Rodriguez. He got subbed by Toby Amada. That was in 2009, so more than 10 years ago. And uh, since then, it's just been decision losses, mostly split decisions, too. He had four of his... his Four of his losses in a row, if you just look at his... Lo- like, he didn't lose four in a row, but four of them he had lost by split decision. He lost a split to Ayakinta, if you remember Ayakinta reaming the, everybody out on the mic. Boo me! Yeah. yeah. Then the split decision lost to Ben Henderson, very close fight. Split decision lost to Lorenz Larkin, and the split decision lost to Damian Maya. Yeah. No, it's impressive. Yeah. Uh, he had also lost a split to like Louis Palomino back in the day. You know, like this is a guy who doesn't get beaten pillar to post by a lot of people. And how do you think he would compare against like an Usman? I think he. I think he is a bad matchup for both those guys. Honestly, yeah. I think that obviously with wrestling, like if you. If you know that somebody's going to wrestle you, you have a, a like you you can come up with different game plans just like you did against Askren mm-hmm. where you can offset that and um I think that that will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how well he does. Like I mean we saw Demian Maya take him down a couple times in that fight if I recall. Obviously he would have had to if he's going to lose to Demian Maya because on the feet that was, that's not really a, a much of a contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, no disrespect to Demian Maya. But uh I mean Here's the thing. Colby said he used to beat him up in practice all the time. He used to beat Mazda all up. But, you know, in MMA, if you're training with someone who's a wrestler, they're probably going to beat you in training. Absolutely. Because you're not looking to take their head off. Absolutely. Like, these, this is your training partner. Even, even with some aspects of sparring, like, there's some guys that I've sparred with that if I spar really lightly with, they'll probably outpoint me. 
They'll probably hit me, frustrate me, piss me off. But I said, okay, let me now take my shin guards off yeah. and let me use a, an 8-ounce or a 10-ounce glove. And now let me hit you. Let me see. Let me get aggressive. Let me get in your face. It's a different game. But you can point and move and touch. If I can't hit you hard, you're not going to stop. I mean, you're going to continue to play and dance and move. But when I crack you and I hit you with bare shins, then you're going to slow down. <laughs> That's where the fight gets a little bit different. Like, same thing. If you were to spar right now with Wonder Boy, Raymond Daniels, and those good karate fighters, they're going to beat you in sparring probably most of the time because it's that light movement. You can't hit them. But in a fight, it's a totally different. Those are the guys that you have to pressure. you got to knuckle up. you got to beat up and slam and, you know, hit them hard with low kicks. So, I mean, that's your best chance at beating those guys. So there's a lot of guys. So who knows? It's so different. It's totally different. So I think that is the fight, though. If you're the UFC, you're kind of hoping for. You're hoping for Covington versus Masvidal. And I think Covington's got a good shot against Usman. I don't think that that fight is uh, as far apart as the line was when it initially opened. Like. And they're going Usman as a pretty uh, big favorite? Not anymore. I think that the line has moved a bit. Let me take a look. Um UFC. He's gonna think after Covington's last performance. Yeah, Covington's plus one forty-five, but it opened a lot higher, if I recall. Yeah, Covington opened at plus two thirty. Yeah, well. so that's what what the optics were when it first opened. So um, now it's plus one forty-five. It gets. I think that's probably about right. Like I think Usman wins that fight more often than not, but I, I do think that Covington can beat him. And I've heard from people that um are close to like that that don't like Covington that have watched him train that Covington is going to win that fight like a lot of people yeah. that don't like him are telling me that they think Covington's going to win yeah, that he's fight. got something special yeah. you know he's got something different and special that that just makes him difficult like when you look at him and you see a style you just think you can beat him it's one of those guys like man I can beat him but then when you see him at his peak performing in the zone man it's it's just he's going to be a terror for anybody well it's funny because I asked Covington about this when I interviewed him last week I said like are you basically like doing misdirection here? Because by talking all the time and by like doing this whole shtick, people forget how good of a fighter you are. Yeah, and yeah, you like, agree sure. with me. Yeah, he agreed with me. And I, because nobody talks about Covington as a fighter, oh, they come. They, they talk about his insults. Yeah, and his, uh, always with the models and all. Yeah, I mean he's it's working. People are hating him. They're booing him. He's playing the heel well. I mean, I don't know. And I was talking to somebody this past weekend about how. Covington is one of the is one of the best trash talkers ever by being one of the worst trash talkers ever. Yeah, it's just annoying. He just he annoys you. You he, know, he makes people care by being bad at doing like bringing the Donald Trump Jr. book with him and like just yeah. like coming up with nicknames for people. He does it so badly that that it's good. It's good because yeah. people are like are like oh he's so bad at he's so bad at he's so bad yeah he is yeah. but it makes you dislike him more because you like it and you feel working. like you're smarter than him. Yeah, I mean it's just. It's different. It's it's unique. People hate him, but he's embracing it, and it's working. It's getting him the big fights, and he's backing it up, which is the most important. If he's getting lose, he's if he's losing. He's getting beat up. It's different, but he's backing it up. Yep, one hundred percent. So let's look at that the event overall. Um, Masvidal Diaz. What do you think Masvidal did that was so successful against him? Like just from a striking standpoint, I think this, this was no respect. No respect. He kind of came right after him through his power shots. Wasn't really intimidated. Even the big shots that he took, Masvidal, he kind of looked, he smiled, he laughed, he took him in the clinch saying, all right, cool. He wasn't intimidated to take a shot. And with the Diaz, if you just sit at the end of his punches, it's a long night. And a lot of people get caught looking. Like if you watch the fight with him and Cerrone, Cerrone just like was, he he got slapped and it just froze. Like he was a deer in headlights. Yeah, Yeah. where Masvidal just, boom, closed that distance, got him up into the clinch, Used the clinch and elbow phenomenally. Like that, that was really impressive the way he mixed his elbows, being the shorter guy. I mean, that's what made him successful is being not being confident, walking in, being able to shut down, land his power punches, and then in that clinch range, found the elbows. I mean, you got to close down the, the distance on Diaz. And I mean, a lot of us think when you fight Diaz to chop the legs, which I mean, you heard the commentators mention it a bit, but he just took the strategy of going right in, landed the bigger shots, and you know, dominated. Not even just one. Like a lot of people in media were calling ten eight rounds. I I, I had one of them that was a ten eight round. Yeah. I think it was either the first or the second. But either of those you could have made a case was a ten eight round. Yeah. Um and uh two of the judges had a thirty twenty six when the score on the scorecards going into the fourth, which never happened. Yeah. Uh the doctor stoppage I thought that it's a judgment call. I mean, we're talking about commissions. Commission like I think Vegas would have let it go. I think that's that's what kind everybody of, keeps saying. You know, yeah. I feel that I feel like I feel like it goes like New York, California, Vegas. That's kind of the spectrum of the doctors. Whereas like the California doctors will sometimes let it go. 
more often than not they will. Vegas almost always lets it go. Look at the Tyson Fury cut. Yeah. Um, but New York treads on the side, airs on the side of the caution, and they did here. And uh, I think it's a little bit hard to get. You can be angry at the stoppage because you want to see a finish, you want to see it end a certain way, but it's hard to legitimately be mad at a medical stoppage yeah. determined by a doctor. Yeah, it's just tough because of the significance behind the fight. Yeah. Right, it's hard. To the say, baddest yeah. man on the planet should go out on his shield. Yeah, yeah, maybe. And you a know doctor what I mean? shouldn't be the one who determines. Yeah, we're enough. here for the safety. You know, all of us can be the baddest man, and we'd all die in there if we could, and we had to. But the safety there. I mean, I- I've been cut equally as bad, if not worse, in one of my fights that did get. I got to continue, and I won the fight. Um, but, Which one was that? Um, it's Medi Baghdad. Okay, yeah. And I fought him Former in Muay UFC Thai. fighter. Yeah. yeah. He cut me with two elbows that split my head open pretty bad. I beat the crap out of him, beat mm-hmm. him up really bad, and he hit me with two elbows. And in, in those in those elbows, I think I got 25 to 30 stitches. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So it's just as bad. I think we counted Diaz's stitches. I'm looking at the right now. What, above, above your right eye? Well, the one above oh. the right eye, then there's a long one in my oh, hairline. Yeah. yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. big sucker in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, chicks, chicks take cars as well. Yeah, sometimes they're my tattoos. I have yeah. no tattoos, so they're my stories. Yeah, but uh, yeah, did it. I get why he'd want it to continue, but he was taking shots. He was getting dominated. Um, and New York is always because I fought my um, the beginning of my professional career in New York, and there was no elbows in New York for so many years. So now it's kind of like they finally get the the you elbow like better, rules. Right? I, I like that there was no elbows, yeah. obviously. As a kickboxer, we don't like elbows, you know, because you can win a fight by just staying in a clinch, and we don't like that. We rather fight and box a little bit better. But, yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I, I'm okay with it. I mean, when you watch the fight, yes, you let it continue. When you see the result after, you're like, okay, I get they can stop it. But, I mean, it could have gone a little bit more, in my opinion. But I'm not... Totally against the stoppage. Yeah, if that makes any sense. And Masvidal basically has three options from here: a rematch with Diaz, Connor, or the championship fight. I don't think he's going to settle for anything less. He's not going to fight Leon Edwards. No, doesn't make sense. Yeah. So how was the? How was? I want to hear more. I'm interested in the energy around um, in New York around that fight. It was a circus. I mean, just seeing The Rock and Roberto Duran backstage at the weigh-ins kind of set the table. Yeah. But when the president was there on Saturday, it was like a total circus. I mean the the you know, the, um, what are they called? Special uh, Secret Service. The Secret yeah. Service were backstage, and they were stopping um, some of the fighters from leaving their rooms at a certain time. Faraz Zahabi was desperately trying to get to Kevin Lee, and they wouldn't let him get, get past a certain because point. Because the president was yeah, out? the president was there. Like, oh, the Secret okay. Service were locking down the back. Hey. And that's just something you don't see at yeah. any event. Or hear about. Nice. So, you see, we saw that kind of thing, and it was just like... Kind of chaotic. We had a guy come to the back being like, if you need to go to the bathroom, now's the time. You might not be able to go again for a while. It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. Settle down. All good. <laughs> we were told that if we had left the area that we were assigned to, this, we were, they were under strict orders to take our credentials and escort us out of the building. Wow. Yeah, so it was pretty intense. Like, yeah. it, was, it was a different feel. And I think that the fighters kind of picked up on that energy. If you look at how some of these those stoppage happened, look at that like that ch- ch- uh, Lyman Good knockout early on in the night was was devastating. Uh, Rosen struck with the twenty nine second win over yeah. Arlovsky. Yep. Shabazian with the first round finish. Corey Anderson, Kevin Lee, first round finishes. Um, Burgos even got that last second. Yeah, finish. Burgos the last second finish. Uh, it was either finishes or split decisions. It seemed like that night. Yeah, there was well there were. Three split decisions and two unanimous decisions, but I think the split decisions show how close some of those fights were. Yeah. So, uh, although I don't think that Hakim Dawudu should have been a split, but whatever. Um, so it was interesting. It was very uh, interesting to see, like the all these fighters change. kind of yeah. Like, the, do you think, I think the BMF attitude and mentality kind of yeah, overtook yeah. some of these? See, a guys. lot of times, even because Glory will go a lot of times to the theater at Madison Square Garden, and a lot of the fighters they say they pick up on the energy of being at Madison Square Garden. So I think it made sense to put the BMF title there if that's what they're going for. But they just say Madison Square Garden has that special place for fighters where they perform better. Well, it's so crazy that this particular event that had no title, real title fight, had a, like a token title. Is going to do much better than the event that has three champions on the card next month. Yeah. I think. I think it'll do much better. You think this show here will do better? Yeah, I the, think the so. Two forty four storylines like, sell, but I mean, 
that Colby Covington Usman storyline is pretty good. Yeah. But, but I don't think it beats the Diaz and, and what this fight brought. This just this just seemed like an event that had a bigger feel to it that that kind of cracked into the mainstream a little bit. You saw what happened at the Canelo fight, how they didn't mm. let Canelo and Kovalev come out. That was bad. That's crazy. Because I was watching it on my iPad as the fights were going. I'm seeing Kovalev sleeping yeah, on, the on the couch. couch. Yeah. You know, Canelo's like kind of walking in circles. You see the frustration on his face. I'm like... That just shows, one, how big UFC is. Now it's bigger than boxing. If Canelo Alvarez is <laughs> waiting, the, the yeah. biggest of the big, you're talking now, in my opinion, probably one of the pound-for-pound boxers right now, is having to wait for a non-title UFC fight. That just shows how big the sport has gotten. Well, here's the thing. I actually, Never agree, with, was it like I actually agree with the Zone's decision. Me too. Because the Zone isn't boxing. The Zone's mandate is to get as many eyeballs on the fight as possible, sell as many subs as possible. They don't represent the sport of boxing. If you're if you were promoting that event, like if you're the promoter, um, and like the the cable companies aren't involved, you're never gonna you're, you'll let that fight go whenever it goes on. Yeah, you're not gonna sit back and wait. But if you're the zone, you've already got people on the high of that UFC event. If they were if they're like kind of casual boxing fans, you can get them over. Like you can get them. The For thing sure. about the zone is, is you're not paying eighty bucks for a pay per view. You're paying a monthly fee. But you're pissing off hardcore boxing fans yes. at that. Point. If you've paid, I think the uh, the lowest tickets to get into the building were four hundred bucks. Can you imagine if you're at the MGM Grand Garden Arena, waiting you paid for an four hundred bucks, watching a UFC, a different sport? Were they watching it in yeah, the arena? Yeah, they put it up in the arena. Oh, I didn't know Can that. Can you imagine if you're a wow. diehard boxing guy that thinks that wow. you, the UFC and MMA is garbage, that you're just sitting there and watching that? How mad would you be? You'd yeah, be I'd be furious. Be yeah. And the UFC would never do that. The never. UFC would never be like, we've got like, you know, uh, like uh, Errol Spence versus, um, what's the guy's name? The other really big boxer. Like, what's the, I'm trying to think of the uh, biggest matchup. I'm thinking matchup. Um, Errol Spence Jr. against... Um, Crawford. Crawford. Terrence Crawford. Ter- yeah, Terrence Crawford. So if, if, you had, if you had Spence versus Crawford on the same night as a UFC fight night. Never will it happen. They're not going to stop and put that up in the arena. Dana's no too chance. Proud. It could be Zabit versus Calvin Cater. They're not putting that up. I, I'm, I'm super surprised that Oscar De La Hoya wanted that. You I'm know? not. Well, apparently De La Hoya and Canelo barely have a relationship really? right it's now. Yeah. now. Canelo's okay. been ripping him in the press. Really? Ripping his own management. Okay. Um, I don't know what the deal is. And they Oscar even put is, that in their co-main event, they put that young Ryan Garcia, who's a, a flashy knockout artist, yeah. and they finished the guy in the first round. So if yeah, they would have so, had a co-main event, I, that kind of yeah. went a little longer. I think that it was, Better. A, I think it was an hour and 18 minutes. That's crazy. That they were, there was just downtime. But you got to think now, if you're Kovalev and Canelo, like, and you're the promoter, your fighters are now warmed up, they're cooled down, they're warmed up, they cool down. You might not get the best performance out of yeah. those two guys now. So a lot of me would be complaining. Like, I mean, if you're Kovalev, you can be pissed off and be like, what the heck, this is ridiculous, you know? And you could use it as an excuse, but yeah. I mean, both guys are in the situation, yeah. but still. Exactly. Well, if I'm amped up, ready to go, and I'm about to fight Nikki Holtzkin, and all of a sudden I have to wait an hour and 20 mm-hmm. minutes after yeah. I'm amped up, that, that would piss me off, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't look happy when they were cutting to them in the locker no. room, that's for sure. No. But I kind of get it, though. Like, again, I, I, I think that I think that the boxing it. people in attendance have paid for their ticket. They're not leaving. Yeah. They're not going to go. It's not going to be an empty arena. Yeah. They'll sit and watch whatever MMA. They'll probably be upset about it. At least at least a lot of them will be. But um, I bet you most fans who are watching at home did what I did and had I had my UFC playing on my TV and I had on my iPad the zone going and I yeah. was watching the fights. Yeah, so I was going to watch both. Yeah. Yeah. And, that and I think you can it. watch both. Like I, I don't think that there's an issue, but I think that there are a lot of people that just want to watch one at a time. Yeah. So I, I kind of get it. It's but I think that, way. like, when you see Steven Espinosa and you see um, a lot of the boxing diehards be like, "This is a terrible look for the sport." It is. Yeah. That's it does. the biggest fight you can have. At, like right now, Canelo versus anybody is essentially the biggest fight on the planet in the boxing world. Um, yep. Aside from maybe some heavyweight matchups, like a Fury versus Wilder kind of deal. I mean. That's a huge deal. And Kovalev mm-hmm. is no joke either. Like, Kovalev is, uh, has been one of the top in that weight class for a long time. So when you have those two squaring off, Canelo's moving up a weight class, big stakes, yeah. and you're basically taking a back seat to a, essentially a non-title UFC fight, eh, Yeah, but uh, again, on Canelo's defense, he's probably going to say, well, Masvidal, I heard, made $500,000 purse. Canelo made probably $35 million. He did, 35, yeah. Yeah. And even, so even uh, I'll wait, Kovalev, I'll wait an hour. 10. Yeah, I'll wait an hour if I'm, I, hey, I'm making $35 million. That's ridiculous. So that's where it's kind of like look at the difference in the sports at the highest levels. 500000 versus $35 million. Yeah. Crazy.
hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, but that was. Uh, but they're waiting. They're yeah. waiting for the five hundred thousand dollar fighters to win. So who knows? And I want to talk about uh, Darren Till and Kevin Lee both bouncing back. I mean, they're basically the same age, a couple months apart. But uh, Darren Till wins a split decision over Gastelum. All along, I'd been saying this is a very low-risk, high-reward fight for Gastelum. Nobody's expecting the guy to, or for Till, rather. For Till. Nobody's expecting Till to win that fight. Gastelum, everybody's expecting him to win. And if he wins, he's beating an unranked middleweight. So, you know, he wanted to be in the co-main of MSG. Uh, all these things came up with Till's visa. Cannoneer is flown in to make weight. Gastelum says, I'm not going to fight Cannoneer. Till ends up getting in. Apparently, a call to the president had to be made. Uh, yeah, you know, at least that was alluded heard, yeah. to in order to get him a visa for this event. And Till ends up coming in. He's completely calm. If you watch all the behind the scenes of Till, he's very humble, very quiet. He knows that right you know, now is not the time. He goes, I know when the right time is to be brash and to be overconfident. Because yeah. in my career right now, this was not the time. Very, very smart. Comes in, and I think that one of the most underrated parts of Darren Till's game is his fight IQ. He's got a really, really high yep. fight IQ. And when you saw the fight with Masvidal, going into that fight, he kept saying, you know, I want to just be viewed as one of the hardest guys in the sport. I want to be viewed as, you know, a, one of the toughest guys nobody wants to face. And I think that going into that fight with Masvidal, he abandoned X's and O's to get into a firefight. This was all X's and O's, and he was yep. able to outpoint Gastelum, and I thought it was a good performance by him. Yeah, and I picked Darren Till uh, to win. I thought his awkwardness, mm-hmm. yeah. I thought his length, his awkwardness, and I had a feeling his striking IQ was going to be the difference. And I mean, both being southpaws, I mean, I just gave Darren Till a good chance. His low kicks were were really good too. I mean, he chopped the legs really well, which I was really happy to see. And I think that was one of his big deciding factors was his low kicks. Um, I thought he did great. I mean, I think now I was reflecting on Darren Till's situation in the middleweight. And I think he's got, if he gets the right strategic path, he could easily walk himself into a All good fight with Adesanya. He needs one more. Yeah. That's all. And I think Adesanya is a perfect matchup for him if he's going to ever win a title. I think it's a good matchup, both striking style guys. I think, again, he'll have the problems with the, the, the bigger wrestlers like the Yoels. I think everyone has will have a problem with him. But I think he's got a good path to the title at middleweight. I, I really do. I think the do. fight you make now is Till versus Whitaker. And, and you yes. see how good Till is. Yes. Yes, and I think Till versus Whitaker is also a good matchup for Till. Yep. I think perfect because they're both stand. the 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 best thing about the middleweight division is you can get as a striker way to the title. You can't do that at welterweight. You can't just be a striker in the welterweight division to be a champion. You're going through too many high level wrestlers. But in the middleweight division, you can almost outside of Yoel, you Yoel can walk even, your way in. Talks about Yoel, this great wrestler. He rarely uses his wrestling. Yeah, I guess like it's he, that explosive knowing that he can, just yeah. knowing oh, that sure. he can slows everybody down. But like, think about who else could wrestle really, really well in the middleweight division. I mean, Weidman could, but he moved up now. You yeah. know, Gastelum is a good wrestler. He's not a fantastic wrestler. But we've only we seen saw, him strike in his all last fights, right? Yeah, for the most part, um, he tried to take down Till and was unsuccessful. Tried to take down Israel. He got Israel down, I think, once, maybe twice. So I think that, that uh, like, we, we know what we're getting here. And yeah. I think that I, you raise a good point. Till versus Adesanya is a good matchup for Till. Like, it's not, it's not a great matchup. Really I mean, Adesanya is not a good matchup for anybody, really. But in terms of a, a striking battle where, yeah. you know, Till might be able to, to do some and damage. Till looks bigger than Adesanya, Adesanya probably. He, 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 he is bigger than Adesanya. Yeah, even as a middleweight. I stood yeah. next to both of them on, on, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, he's thick, man. Yeah. He's thick. But, but it was a different Darren Till. Like, just talking yeah, to him after I liked the fact. It. He's got to stick that way. He's got to stick to that way. Yeah, I think that he's been brought down to earth a little bit, and I think that, that was important. I think that was important for his evolution. Have you heard some of the stuff he was saying before he was walking out? How terrified he was? He, said it to he, me wanted, to, he wanted to fake an injury. He was yeah. throwing up. What did he tell you? Yeah, he said basically the same thing. He said that... Um, that he like he goes, you don't understand how scared I was yeah. uh, going into this fight. And I go, well, were you scared of the fight or were you scared of like the bright lights and media and all that? He goes, no, it was the bright lights, the media, like I was Losing getting jitters. Again. Yeah, and, like a lot of that is what really played into his psyche and it, it kind of messed with him. Because he talked a lot in the last couple of years. So, yeah. I mean, to talk so much, to put yourself as, you know, the next big talker, and then all of a sudden to lose two in a row at the... Uh, I mean, his losses, though, let's be honest, Masvidal and Woodley. Yeah. 
Exactly. Okay, let's do we call those losses? Yeah, they are. But for someone who jumped up so quick, got humbled, yeah. came back, trained beyond trained, stayed in the mindset that made him so hungry, and that's the result you get. I yeah. mean, it's it's incredible. And he says like that confident there until it's still in there somewhere. Yeah. But it's just I know when keep I need to humble. channel it. Keep that yeah. humble, keep that guy wanting to work hard, keep that nervous energy. It played really good for and him. I think having his daughter there with him actually had like a real impact on him. Yeah. It really kept him light and loose and like in a, a, a different frame of mind. He wasn't like in, you know, fight mode the whole time. Yeah. Hey, sometimes it helps people. Whatever works for you. Yeah, and it worked for him. And uh, Kevin Lee as well. Kevin Lee went to Montreal, trained with Faraz Zahabi. Yeah. Uh, Gregor Gillespie previously undefeated, a favorite going into that fight. Gaslam also a favorite against Till. And Kevin Lee gets the job done. Fantastic head kick finish. Yeah, and I mean, all of my guys messaged me right after that because I am Mr. Exit Head Kick. So on the exit, every time, throw a low kick, throw a head kick on the exit. And you got to figure out which way they're going to go. Exit. Doesn't even matter. If you go one side, like, I mean, Kevin Lee went straight, right, left, switch kick to the head. Because when people exit from a close distance, they always put their hands down. They put their head nice up for you on a platter. So if you can catch the head kick on the exit, it's one of the best finishes you can get. The one I was explaining to my guys before was uh, Duwadu's. Uh, Dawadu's last knockout. From a clinch, the guy tried to escape the clinch. Boom! He met him with a head kick. He got the finish. So exit head kicks are one of my favorites. And he landed it perfectly. (laughs) It was perfect. But I just thought the game plan itself from Kevin Lee was great. It was a little bit different. You saw him lower his base a little bit more. We know Gillespie's a good wrestler. So he lowered his base. He worked on jabbing, singles. He wasn't overthrowing, committing himself to be taken down. He was using low kicks, setting things up, and then he just set up that head kick perfectly. And the so, game plan from Gillespie well was terrible. Yeah. Like you just got to grab onto the guy, grab onto him. I just think it was early. He was Even trying to feel need, it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. But again, if like I don't think that he had a, a great path on the feet. Honestly, Gillespie. A lot of these guys that have, have wrestling that can take care of people and take them down. Once you get to a certain level, like you just stri- right your away. striking just needs to be at a certain yeah. point. Otherwise, you're gonna get you're gonna lose. Yeah, Askren right. is exactly. Well, I mean, it was only what two minutes in, two minutes less, two yeah, minutes and twenty two minutes seconds. and forty second, seven seconds in. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was still early. I mean, even as a wrestler, you probably want to play with level changes. You've probably been working your striking. You want to test it out a little bit, see how it plays in a real fight. Because I'm sure Gillespie's main part of his camp is let's get our striking up to par, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but didn't pay off. Kevin Lee looked great. And uh, Shane Burgos, before he came out, here's another backstage story. The fighters uh, in, I think it was the red corner. He was in the red corner. Um, they were they were over where we were doing media. So before they came out, I got to see all the red corners. Burgos, who I have a, a pretty good relationship with, he looked at me and gave me the devil horns and stuck yeah. his tongue out. And he was like a man. He was like he was possessed by the devil in that yeah. fight. Like after that first round, I was like, this guy's done. Amir Khan, he's going to lose. Like if you can't put Burgos away, he gets better and better yeah, and better. Yeah, Burgos is a beast. Yeah, like he he looks like he can be a champion one day, honestly. I think so. I think so. He he's lost big, to Calvin Cater, but he seems to have learned from this, this is his yeah. only career loss. I also think Calvin's special as a special fighter. I think he's got something good in him that uh, we're going to see against the beat yeah, soon. We'll see this but, weekend. Uh, yeah, that's a tough fight. But I mean, I don't think we should write uh, Calvin oh, off yeah, after definitely. that fight. That, the line on that fight is way off, in my opinion. Yeah, but I think Kelvin's great. So I think I just think Burgos, young, talented, big, strong, lean, fully dedicated to the sport. I mean, I think we. You're right. I think he's gonna be a top contender very soon. What's and, he ranked and, after this one? Uh, let me go, let me go look. But he's really he's a master of distance. That's the thing that I think yeah. Burgos. Like if you watch the best fighters in the world, they're masters of distance. Watch him versus Swanson, and he was fighting at what I like to call. He beat Swanson, right? Yeah, he beat Swanson. Uh, he's ranked 12th, one spot behind Cater. Okay. But um, the, if you watch his fight with Swanson, he's just a master of distance. Like he's he he was fighting at what I like to call Rory and Lo, like Rory and Robbie the range. Okay. Triple R, which is basically you're just hitting guys at the end of your punch. Yeah. Like that was the most devastating thing about you know we saw what ha- the end result was of Rory versus Robbie. We saw Robbie's lip get split. We saw uh, Rory's nose basically explode. Yeah. But that was just uh, a culmination of fighting at that range where you're just hitting people at the end of your punch for three. I guess for them yeah. it was almost four rounds, five straight rounds. But that's what. Burgos was able to do against Cub Swanson. Yeah. And Burgos was able to do this against Amir Khani too. But he, the body is where he really owned Amir Khani in this fight. He just, I don't know. I, I'm a big, I'm riding the Burgos train. I like it. I mean, I just think he's um, just strong in all aspects. And I just think already from his young career has fought pretty big names. Like to fight Swanson and to fight the Caters. I mean, he's a Tiger Showman guy, which is a pretty, you know, good camp. 
Um, a lot of good fighters out of it. I just, I don't know. I'm just excited to see him. Like, sometimes I thought that, like, even this uh, Amir Khani guy, I thought, it may, you know, is going to push him a little bit, test him. I yeah, think Amir we Khani got him. won the first round. Yeah. So, but, I mean, overall, he's rising to the occasion. And I think that's where we got to keep riding him. I mean, I, I, a couple fights, I was like, man, I like Burgos. I want to see him do well. I think these fights are a little too much for him. And then he shines. Yep. And so, Amir Khani mentioned uh, the next day he made a post saying that, like, the time change was really difficult for him. Um, but he's with Frost, too, right? No, he's with uh, John Kavanaugh. Okay. And he was coming over from Ireland oh, or whatever. Okay. And he just said that the time change was way too much for him um, and that he had a big issue. It was his first time fighting outside of Europe. Okay. So uh, that, that seemed to impact him. Um, Corey Anderson getting a first-round win over Johnny yeah. Walker, trying to get that title shot. you got to do something impressive to get that title shot from uh, Dominic Reyes. And we saw a different side of him, eh? Like, mm-hmm. he just, you know, a confident Anderson came out. He was there. He's yelling at the cameras. I, I just think he was happy because he everyone wrote him off. Everyone thought Johnny Walker's the next big thing. You know, Corey Walker, me included. I didn't think Walker had a chance. I, sorry, I, I thought Walker was going to walk all through Anderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just think he was just extra hype and... You know, I liked it. I like that Corey Anderson. I think a lot of people were waiting for this to happen to Johnny Walker because it's happened to him before. Overconfidence. Before in the UFC. Like what he's do you just, think it is? There are just some times where he gets hit and he doesn't know what to do. And that's what he had happened to him in previous fights. Um, and that's what happened here. I didn't think Anderson was going to be the one to do it because Anderson's power has never been that good. But his technical yeah. boxing is really strong. Yeah. It was, that was one of his strongest suits um, when he was on the Ultimate Fighters. He's just got fast hands. He's really, I mean, him training with Frankie Edgar, he's almost like a 205-pound Frankie Edgar. And he that, moves well. He can wrestle yeah. well. Yeah. So him getting that win, this is the issue that I have here when you're trying to decide between him and Reyes. And then there's still two other fights I think you need to keep your eye on, which is Jan Blahovich versus Jacare and uh, Alexander Rakic versus Volkan Uzdemir. But when you're, trying, when you're trying to decide between um, Corey Anderson and Dominic Reyes, is like Reyes got a very strong win over Chris Weidman. And Chris Weidman's a former champion. But Reyes was a pretty big favorite in that fight. Yeah. Anderson was an underdog in this fight. And the way that he won... You have to like you have to look at that and think you should give Anderson a title shot. Maybe not the next one. Based on the performance. Yeah, maybe not the next one, but say to him, listen, you've earned the title shot here with that performance. Reyes might get the next shot, but you're gonna get the one after that. Yeah. Sit it out, whatever you want to do. If you want to take another fight in between, great, we'll offer you one. But just because you tell someone you've earned a title shot, it doesn't mean it needs to be right away. Yeah, no, and I, I agree think, with you. I, and that's why t- like what happened with Woodley when he fought Robbie Lawler. He was told you're gonna get a title shot. He waited for that title shot, and when he got it, he won. He capitalized. And the time off, he was able to, to polish his game, get better. It was one of the best champions of all time in the division. Um, and I think that if you look at Corey Anderson, Corey Anderson can sit it out and say, yeah. like, okay, maybe uh, maybe I'll be next. You know, That's the smart move. I mean, especially Anderson's been a, he's a vet now. He's got to have at least probably 10 UFC fights, the if prob- not more. The problem is, though, he has an adversarial relationship with the UFC. He says, okay. I want a title shot or, or I want you to release me. When they offered him fights up until this fight, he kept saying no to them. He's like, no, I just want a title shot, title shot, title shot, and saying no to all these other fights. And they kept saying, well, nobody knows who you are. You're not winning in impressive fashion. Well, now he has. Yeah. So if you're his manager, if you're Ali Abdelaziz and your Corey Anderson, you say, like, listen, it's title shot or bust here. I don't know what else I have to do here. Yeah. Look at, I, look at his Because waiting streak. it out is smart. It's yeah. too dangerous in that division to, sure. to kind of not wait it out after you've earned it. Yeah, like what are you going to do? Fight Alexander Rockich? Fight, fight yeah, with the beast. Yeah, like fight Volkan Uzdemir. Like those are two very losable fights. Yeah, fight Jan Blahovich. He's beaten Jan Blahovich before, so that's probably a bad example. But either way, like I think that Anderson right now should wait. It should at least wait and see what's happening. Yeah. wait and see the landscape um, because I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I think Reyes probably does get the next shot because he's undefeated. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, Reyes looked good too. So I mean. I mean, they both are deserving of it. Yeah. I think it's going to ultimately come down to, you know, John Jones kind of picking who he wants as well. Yeah. I'm sure, sure he's got yeah, well, some. Well, he did. He made a tweet yesterday and said, Reyes is the mm, one. We had a coach's meeting and we watched both tapes. I think Reyes is the more dangerous fighter, so I want to fight him. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Um, Jarzinho Rosenstruck beats Andre Arlovsky. And afterwards, I'm going to pat myself on the back here a little bit. Okay. I tweet out and say, I'd like to see him turn it around quickly and face. Uh, Alistair Overeem, who needs an opponent in Washington. Yeah, I asked boom. I asked Rosenstruck about it. Do you want to do this? He said, yeah, sure. A lot of momentum online, and boom, a couple days later, he's fighting in December against Alistair that's, Overeem. That's December 14th or 7th? Uh, 9th, 7th, 7th. 7th, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm getting all my dates wrong in December, but yeah, December 7th in Washington. So I'm just going to, you know, that, that, was right. a good, that was a good call by me. I like it. You know, willed it into existence. And he looked good. He looked very He looked good. fantastic. I mean, it is against uh, Alistair Overeem. No, sorry. Uh, against Arlovsky. Arlovsky, yeah. who's 
you know, older. Yeah, kind Chin's of on not there. Yeah. He's on his last legs, but still, we. I think it's just refreshing to have a heavyweight who's exciting, who's got some knockout power. So well, two guys with a nice kickboxing background in uh, in Washington, him and him and Overeem. Yeah, it's nice to because I've seen a lot of my uh, kickboxing friends posting about Rosenstruck. Yeah, I think he fought uh, Ben Sadiq at some point. Yeah, I've seen him posting about it, so I was wondering, like, cheering him on. So I didn't yeah. know that he was even a kickboxer, and then I was like, yeah, yeah, he didn't fight in Glory, match. but he fought in a lot of other organizations. Yeah. Right? Um, Edmund Shabazian looks great too against Brad Tavares. He was twenty three. I, I, yeah, I he's twenty three. Phenomenal. Young. Yeah, very Phenomenal. young and has a lot of power. And uh, of his finishes in fighting, I think he he only has one fight that's gone outside the first round, and that was against Darren Stewart. It was a split decision uh, last year. Other, otherwise, since then, that was his debut in the UFC. Since then, he's won three straight uh, in less than five minutes total. Yeah. So, pretty pretty strong. Yeah, I was actually pretty impressed. I thought it was pretty fun to see a Derek Lewis. I thought Derek Lewis did pretty good too. I, I actually know. thought Blagoy won that fight. I was in the minority there. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I thought Lewis won. What I was impressed of, okay, I mean, there could have been better moments, but one thing that I liked because I've been teaching it with my guys, my MMA fighters a lot, is using the tie clinch for the knees. And I was like, to see, you know, Derek Lewis kind of transition to grab the tie clinch, to pull his head down, and those knees. I couldn't believe that, he, you know, he was still, even off was still standing. Yeah, Blagoy's a tough guy to put out. Jeez. He's got a chin. The guy was stabbed almost through the heart. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he, he can handle a couple punches. Yeah. Um, what, are you, what are you taking from? I know what he said wasn't the most appropriate, but, like, are these Derek Lewis post-fight interviews getting a little carried away? Eh, well, he, he, knows they how to, fun, he knows how to get Are they attention. good? Like, what are you and the media seeing about these uh I think they're fight. funny. He's not a great, he's not a very compelling interview, Derek Lewis. But you know what? I was talking to him afterwards, and he had uh, he had basically been fighting on like a torn ACL or PCL for like years. Yeah. He could barely get out of bed. And uh, I said to him, I go like, how much? He had surgery earlier this year. I said, how much did that surgery change your life? He goes, dude, like you don't understand. It, it fixed my my knee. It fixed my back. My quality of life is so much higher. Yeah. I'm able to train better. I'm able to eat better. I'm able to... Like, he looked like a different guy, yeah, too. Yeah, his conditioning was yeah. on. He said he was able to do more work. He made 265 lean, yeah. looking sharp. And he said you he know? was 268 on fight night. Like, he barely cut anything. I mean, so, he still had yeah. those explosive moments, but I feel like he had more of them than usual. You know, sure. Usually he'd wait you know, once a round, but you saw two, three explosions per mm-hmm. round. He wasn't winging punches as the fight went yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, I just thought when he went off, it was just exciting to watch, yeah. but it was fun. Apparently, according to Ariel Hawani, the uh, UFC might be going to Houston for a pay-per-view in February. No doubt that Derek Lewis yeah, will be in that his backyard. Yeah, you have to. And then uh, Thompson and uh, Vicente Luque, we never mm-hmm. talked about much. Yeah. What did you think of that fight? I thought that Thompson won pretty handily. I thought he had a really good strategy. Great. Um, I thought Luque was, I think Thompson is starting to learn how to work with pressure. He's gotten better because Luque was trying to pressure him and Thompson had the answers. Yeah, angles and nice straights. Yeah. yeah I, think that, I think he probably watched that Pettis fight back a bunch of times. Like, Thompson is a real tactician. Like, you know, say what you will about the karate style. And the thing about Thompson is Thompson's a bad matchup for almost everybody in that division. Like, I think against Usman, he's a bad matchup. Yeah. I think against Covington, he's a bad matchup. Um, I think against Masvidal, that would be a really interesting fight, a rematch with the current Masvidal. I know yeah. Thompson beat him a couple of years back. But, uh, you know, and not, not all fights are going to be the same if you do a rematch. But I think Thompson, because of his style, um, yeah, I know he did get caught by Anthony Pettis the first time he says he's ever been knocked out training or otherwise or karate or whatever. Um, I think that that led to him changing because the Pettis followed the Joe, the Joe Valtellini ga- yeah. uh, blueprint. Even beat, Vicente was doing a little yeah. bit as well. Like I got messages from friends being like, he's following your How to Beat series yeah. online because you attack the low kicks, you match the stance, the strategies there. I think Wonder Boy beats can beat 99%, but that special 1% will beat him all the time. Yeah, the, the Joe Valtellinis, the Nicky yeah. Holtzkins, the guys who can sit there and pressure and really kind of uh, not be intimidated. Like if he takes a psychic step, Step right in, chop his legs, get in his face. I mean, you need those types of fighters yeah. to beat the, him. The fight I want to see is Thompson versus Damian Maya. That's like the one that I would love really? to see. Yeah, I would love to see like a karate stylist against a top grappler. Like, yeah, yeah. Because that fight could go any and number it's hard, of ways. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It could be really boring or really interesting. Yeah. Maya wants to, has two more fights he says he wants to do. I thought that Maya versus Askren was going to be boring, and I, I thought it ended up being an excellent fight. Yeah. But I think Maya versus Stephen Thompson is one that okay. would be two we'll nice vet specialists in classy the division. Classy guys. Two, yeah, two very nice classy guys. Uh, 
And I, I would like that. Stephen Thompson is the best, though. Like, talking to him backstage, he's with his dad. He's like, Dad, oh, shucks, I broke both my hands, I think. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. See what happened. He was shaking everybody's hands, even though he had broken hands. Yeah, he shook my just hands. a nice guy He's just like, he's a total class act. Pure martial artist. I love yeah. him. From a young age to now, he teaches kids still. You love him so much. Why are you giving people the blueprint on how to beat him? Come on, Yeah, because I need to build my YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think a, you need to keep that series going. I'm helping man, him. How to beat series. I'm helping him yeah. by showing him where I could beat him. But uh, I always said, too, like, that would be, to me, that style is very easy for me. But for everyone, it gives a really, really hard time. But, yeah, I like him. Regardless, I love the traditional side of him. I like that he still implements old school martial arts in a modern mixed martial arts world. I like his mindset, his respect to the sport, the fact that he continues to teach. I mean, I think overall he's one of the guys that we should really put as a, as a role model for, for martial arts. Yeah, I want to send a message actually to Hakeem Dawoodu because after his fight, he was really upset that he lost, that he had won the fight. <laughs> like he, yeah, he yeah. wanted to get a finish. He's always but, upset. That's but why backstage he's he was like coughing and caught. Co- like he was like, I think I've come down with something. Like he, I want to find out if he ended up having like a fever or flu yeah. or something because yeah. he did not look like he was in good shape backstage. Um, but that was, I mean, giving out bonuses to whoever had to give up the performance of the night bonuses. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Like that was uh, that was not an easy task. So out of outside of the fight, so what what really you know took to you from the event did you get to see the rock backstage yeah so i saw the rock with masvidal and the crazy thing about mma i always find is how small the fighters are when you see them in person yeah um and when i saw the rock next to jorge masvidal you realize like you would you if you ask who the fighter is like yeah. everybody would say the rock the rock's like six five probably around 300 pounds or just, just muscle he's just a brick yeah and you see him next to masvidal and you can see videos masvidal's put out of him standing next to the rock like the, the size difference is just staggering. Yeah. But just seeing The Rock... Another thing that really resonated with me was Roberto Duran was backstage, and Joe Rogan was like, I never ask anybody for pictures. I, I need to take a picture with you, I sir. saw that picture. Yeah, yeah like he, he loved he was, it. He was like... It was like he was in the presence of a god, and Dana White, too, is like, I need to take a picture with you. Really? Yeah. They, 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 like, revered this guy. Because, like, I mean, uh, Dana is a huge boxing fan, so... I mean, before he got into yeah. UFC, oh, yeah, Dana yeah. used to box, used to amateur. But I bet you they were more excited to meet him than The Rock or oh, for sure. the president. Because like, even when The Rock was doing like the weigh-ins and stuff, it feels like no one was really giving him that much attention. Yeah. I thought he would have been a bigger you know, spectacle for the fighters and for the UFC, but they were kind of just like ignoring him. Half the fighters didn't even say hi to him when they yeah. were out there. So, yeah, but, interesting. Yeah, like, Roberto Duran backstage was like a superstar. The big, Didn't yeah. speak any English for the most part. But he's a funny guy. He's always yeah. moving and dancing around. And we got and to do a scrum with him and Masvidal together, and it was awesome. Like Masvidal looked like he was going to cry. He was so happy that he got to meet his basically his childhood idol. Really? He loved Roberto Duran. Yeah, yeah. And he looked like he was about to cry, honestly. That's amazing. He was that so you're where him. you guys are, it's right beside all of this? Um, well, for Duran, that was during the weigh-ins. So we were, the the stage, it was at the theater, the Hulu theater. So yeah, the Hulu the, theater. the stage is not that big. So we're in the back. And, uh, yeah, it's like when D- Roberto Duran walked in, it looked like, it, like everything kind of stopped. Yeah. Did you do the press conference that they had the other day? Did the, you go to the one? The one that the they one did for after the title the fights? Yeah, yeah, I was there. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I watch. I was talking to Joe Benavides the whole time. I don't even know what happened. Yeah. Because I, sometimes <laughs> I watch it and I go and I was like, is Aaron going to ask a question now? Because sometimes no, I was you in the have. Back. Sometimes yeah. you have. And I get excited. I start cheering. I, I watch more for you if you're yeah. going to ask a question. <laughs> I was in the back. I don't care about anybody else. But if you're on and you ask a question, I'm cheering. I had like a 20 minute conversation with Joe, ba- Joe Benavides the nicest guy in the about world. Kanye West. Like we didn't talk at yeah. all about fighting. He goes, Joe, Joe goes, we should do a podcast together. I go, we should do one. And as soon as MMA's message, we just stop the show. Yeah, yeah. Like we, we should That's talk about amazing. anything else. I met him at the UFC Institute. And outside, say I never watched Benavidez fight, I became a fan of his. Yeah. Not even watching him fight, just his, him and his team's overall energy. He's, I loved the, it. he's the greatest guy on the planet. Loved I loved it. Nice, funny, said hi. Like a lot of the fighters when they're at the institute, they kind of like some of them are super friendly. They'll come say hi and stuff. And like we know we're colleagues in the sport. So I mean, he was just super friendly. His team, you know, brought me in. We were talking. And like since that point, I saw him in the change room. He'd always say hi. He was just very respectful. And like I became a fan of him just from his energy. Yeah. And yeah. He's just. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. He just got positive energy, Amazing. lots of positive energy. Amazing, but uh, yeah, it was nice. Uh, nice talking to him back. I missed basically the entire press conference yeah, just, because him and I were just. What about know. New York? Does the city itself? Did you feel like not people really. were really into it? Or it was it hard just, to tell. I wasn't out and about that much. Too big. Yeah, like it's such a big city. 
I I, uh, I posted on Twitter like my last moments in New York before I went to like my hotel to go to sleep before I went to the airport the next day. I saw a. a a lady consoling a guy dressed up as a taco out in the street. It was like three nice. thirty a.m. and the guy's like all angry. She's like, "Don't let him get to you. It's it's okay. Like don't. Worry. It's gonna be." Okay. The guy's just dressed like a taco. He's like so angry. And yeah, I'm like, yeah. "Like this is New York, New man. York. It's three yeah. thirty a.m. Dude dressed like a taco being consoled in the streets. That's it. Walking down the sidewalk. Like you don't see that in any other doesn't city. Get, doesn't get more in yeah, New York. Yeah, than that. that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. I, but, I mean, yeah, it was Halloween in New York. Lots of cool costumes, and, craziness, and fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure it was uh, like the energy could have been like, cause I mean, every time you go out, you see the signs and I mean, cause we, when we had our glory events, we'd be right across the street. Yeah. The crappy hotel. They moved us from there. Was it the Which Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania hotel. Yeah. That's a, that's a dump. I yeah. never stayed there, but it's right across from like MSG. Never again, yeah. but it's so close. There's an epidemic now in New York though that I must talk about. Bed bugs? No. <laughs> it's even, Rats? it's even worse. Yeah. When people cross the street. They don't follow they the signs. They stop and they take selfies in the middle of the street. Okay. Like, you'll be walking behind someone. They're, I mean, we're not driving. There's no signal lights here. Yeah. There's no brake lights. And they don't follow the, the signs They just anyways. stop right in the middle of the street and take a selfie. Nice. And you're like, like this yeah. is one of the most crowded cities already. You're stopping. Yeah. Tourists. Dude, like, I want. I was going to snap, honestly. Yeah. That was your pet peeve of the weekend? I was just going to grab their phone and be like, sorry. Just like, knock it out and keep uh, walking. You can meet me at the other side of the road and you can get it back. Yeah. But, like, you're stopping in the middle of the road. Like, I know there's buildings here or whatever. Like, let's, like let's, let's just realize you're not the only person here, yeah. you know? I get bothered by that at the airports. But selfies at the airport? No, when people just walk and oh, then it's stop. like it's a oh, yeah. busy line yeah, and then they yeah, just yeah. stop. They stop. And they the talk time. in a group and like, oh, sorry, everyone's going to go around you and your group talking? Yeah. Like, I get that at airports a lot. I get frustrated. Dude, people at airports are terrible. They just stop. Yeah. Like, they just, airports like, are terrible. It's like, because not only do you have to stop, you have to stop and you have a bag. Yes. So you have to stop two things. Oh, it's so And annoying. you have to maneuver. So Do you annoying. have a four-wheel bag or a two-wheel? Four. Yeah. Four-wheel bag is, four. is clutch. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a travel guy. Yeah. You have, a, you have a fanny pack yet? Um, I used to travel with it, but I don't. I, I just use a backpack instead. The fanny pack is, is big at the airport. You get your passport out. Yeah, because I'm a back. I always check a luggage. I always check Me a too. luggage yeah. just because I have my suit Same. and my shoes. It's too many things. And, but I always, uh, I tried just backpacks enough for me. And also, when the flight ends, everybody's standing up and like trying to hustle to get through when they can't. Like, yeah, like dude, yeah. you're gonna have to get out when it's your turn. Like, yeah. My biggest pet peeve of all airport in you know airplane travel is when people take your little bit of storage on the the bin ahead, like where your seat is. Yeah. It's like, why you have four <laughs> bags? I have a little knapsack, and I can't put my knapsack <laughs> right where right I'm sitting. Where I'm yeah, sitting. Yeah. I have to put it two rows back, like, and then ask people me, at the end to pass yes. it. Part of me wants to take people's bags off yeah. and just be that person. Like, I have a small backpack. You have three big luggages. Yeah, and you're sitting three rows down that yeah, way. Yeah, and you're just putting it here just because yours. I'm like, no. My bag <laughs> should be able to fit right where my seat is. That is my biggest pet peeve. you ever drink coffee or tea on an airplane? Uh, no, I haven't been lately. Oh, no. did I tell you that, about what, why you shouldn't? No. They use the, they use the uh, tap water from the bathroom. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was yeah, like yeah, the airplane yeah. tap water. Yeah, somebody, somebody from the, the boiling, I, maybe. Somebody had told me about it. that. Yeah, and I had asked somebody <laughs> from like the airlines, or I was sitting in whatever waiting to get on, and I saw somebody, and I was like, can I ask you a question? The coffee is it made with the uh, the same tap water as that in the in the bathroom that they tell you not to drink? She's like, yeah. yeah. She's like, I never have coffee on no, flight. No, I usually don't. And I was like, okay, noted. Yeah, <laughs> I will get a coffee before yourself. I got on the flight. But yeah, I'm lucky now. That's why, like, with status with Air Canada and stuff like that, I get in earlier zones, so I always have a space now. But when I'm zone, when you're I'm zone, zone four, four. Or zone I'm five, four. I'm zone two now because of my years of traveling. The problem is with the status. I get, I always get one of the criteria, but the three because they don't travel far. Like you're yeah. traveling to like. Asia and whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> far away. It's tough. You yeah, need these to get little the short miles. hauls are nothing. Yeah, you know the three criteria, right? Yeah, you need the miles, spent. dollars, and yeah. yeah. I always hit dollars, of yeah. course, spending lots of money. But mileage, I never hit. And then the other one is like, I don't remember what it is. Like it's miles, and there's one other thing. I yeah, never it's hit. some qualifying yeah, something or another. Yeah, but it's annoying. Yeah, I just got it, yeah. like last couple of years. But it took me a while to get it. But it's one of the best things. It's just this that stress of me for years of, am I going to get a spot for my bag on top of my seat? Otherwise, I'm going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's my and biggest you, pet peeve. And you're on longer flights. It's so my big it. pet peeve. Don't, I don't know why. I shouldn't be that angry about it, but I get pissed about it. I'm angry about people just stopping in front of me. So I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go with that. We, we've right. discussed that. That's Done. for airport etiquette. I mean, <laughs> I could go on about airport etiquette stuff for days. Like, there's Done. so many, yeah. so many faux pas that people have. Yep. One guy was in in the line with me at Nexus asking me how to use the machine. I go, 
well, you put your passport there. And he's like, it's not working. I go, I go, do you have a Nexus card? He goes, no. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, like the sign says Nexus is this yeah. way. Okay, well, we got we to get off this. Done. The show is just going to turn I, I into air. More, I got more. <laughs> yeah, lots of stories. I was like, oh, I, I'm going to outdo you now. We should do a weekly segment of just like of airplane air, air travel stories. Off. I agree because I'm literally, I get pissed off with those little things. All right, let's move on to Moscow. Yeah, there Shall we, we go. Uh, is there any news that we need to tackle? I'm, I'm trying to think of if, if there's any actual, like anything that we missed. I'm going to go on Reddit quickly. That quickly popped up. Just see if there's anything that we missed, that we didn't t- touch on or anything that's uh, any big stories from this week. I don't think so. I think well, Tyson Fury wants to get into MMA. That's one thing. He's. I think he's, that's just he uh, wants to train. Publicity. He says he's training with Darren Till this weekend. Could he win a heavyweight fight in the UFC though? Like, no. you, you don't think so? No. You don't think he could beat like a low level heavyweight? I uh, think he can. A low level one, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to be a top ten guy. A top guy, no. But like, I think if he wa- like he just did pro like wrestling. Even like Greg Hardy, I think would beat him. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think I think Greg Hardy would beat him for sure. I think Greg Hardy would probably. Train takedowns or even leg kicks. Like yeah, these just, guys don't know. How, these guys all have like thin legs. Yeah, never different clinches. Not never been taking one kick. That pressure coming forward. Yeah. Well, it looks like McGregor's uh, gonna get a fight in January. His agent told Ariel Hawani this week that it was imminent. But uh, I'm guessing it's gonna be Cowboy. And uh, yeah, I don't love that. I think Cowboy's gonna win that fight. Yeah, really. Yeah, I think Connor beats him. We'll see. I but, just but, don't love the matchup. But I don't think it excites me enough. You're, when this is the problem that everybody has here, when they say, "Oh yeah, Connor can do this better than this," we don't know what Connor is anymore. Like yeah. Connor hasn't fought since last October. He didn't look great in that fight. All these things have happened over the course of the year. Like who knows where this guy's head is at? I'm and Cowboy's b- training all the time. He's yeah, doing all this crazy but stuff. But I think He's- that's where. I mean, Cowboy's just being Cowboy. I think he keeps his chin too high. I think he kicks he with his hit. chin up. He gets hit a lot. Where Connor's really good at out and in, explosive hit and move. And I just think it's just a bad style. But you're right. I mean, Cowboy is Cowboy. I mean, he can sit there. I just don't think his chin, the durability, uh, the ability of Connor to hit and move is just going to be too much. Well, the line's gone down a lot. It, like, it was, Connor was like a three to one favorite. Now he's minus 185. Like, it seems like right. the betting public is also going with Cerrone. So I liked Cerrone at the price that I saw it at, which was like yeah. plus two something. Okay. Well, whatever. We'll see. Um, I don't love the fight, though. I don't think it's exciting for me. I would have preferred a, a Gaethje. Me too. Yeah. That's the fight. Personally. Oh, well. Gaethje's getting kind of the short end of the stick here because he's got to sit around. Like, there's nobody else in the division that makes sense for him to face. Yeah. He should either wait it out now or yeah, what is he... wait it out. Yeah. Wait it out. Because if Connor loses that fight, you're getting the next title shot. Mm-hmm. And if Connor wins that fight, you can say, well, like, listen, this guy shouldn't jump me in the queue. Yeah. I beat Cowboy also. Makes sense. And I beat this guy and this guy and this guy, right? Um, all right. Calvin Cater versus Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I'm wondering to get you out of here, by the way. What's that? When do I need to get you out of here? Um, as soon as possible. Okay. There we All go. All right. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't we just keep make... keep going. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. Well... I got a couple more. Calvin Cater, that's going to be an interesting matchup against uh, Zabit. And uh, Zabit's only fought once this year. Calvin Cater's uh, doing well. He's on a bit of a tear. That win over Lamas was incredibly impressive yeah. earlier this year. What are his chances here? Um, I think his style gives him a good chance. I just think it... Um, stylistically, IQ, fight, you know, potential... He can do it, but just Zabit is just dangerous for anybody. So uh, I can say that, yes, I think Calvin has the game plan, the style to do well. But come fight time, can he close that distance? Can he you know, deal with the, the awkwardness, the unorthodox uh, of Zabit? That's the question. Hard to train for. Hard to train for. So on paper, you have to give Zabit the... You know, the advantage to the fight. But I think I, I would give Kelvin a good shot. I mean, especially seeing how Zabit, um, you know, dealt with pressure fighters. He does well, but he can't finish them. He just doesn't have the ability to, to put those guys out. So, yeah, I think Zabit should win on paper, but I think Kelvin's going to make it a good dog fight. All right. And uh, Alexander Volkov versus Greg Hardy. Oh, also with Zabit, I think he gets a title shot if he wins this fight. Yeah. Um, but what do you think of uh, the odds and, and how the fight's going? I think the odds are a little bit high in the favor of Zabit. I think there's actually a lot of, because the, it's in Russia, I think that a lot of these guys are priced a little too high. Zabit, Volkov, I think is priced too high. Even uh, um, Ankalaev, who I think is really good, is priced very high against a nice, a solid prospect from South Africa. He's minus 400 against Dalcha Lanky and Bula. I don't understand why they would make this matchup to begin with. I think Abubakar uh, Nurmagomedov is priced too high. Um, just the Russians tend to do well in Russia, don't they? Uh, yeah, seemingly, okay. but they haven't had that many cards in Russia, so it's hard to gauge. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, but 
that's going to be interesting. And then Greg Hardy versus Volkov. Hardy taking the fight on short notice. Um, and I think that Hardy's got a good shot in this fight. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I just, you can't, the explosive, big size, athletic power of Greg Hardy can, if he fights confidently, that's the thing. If he fights confidently, he's got a great chance. If he starts hesitating and not letting his power go and just winging big shots, it'll be a long night for him. But if he's smart, if he uses explosiveness, as they say, it only takes one. Yep. Uh, especially against a guy like Volkov. I think Gol- Volkov's chin was cracked by Derek Lewis, and that we'll see how uh, Hardy you know, fights in this fight. I, th- I thought that because of that inhaler last time, it completely ignored his actual performance, which I thought he had made pretty big incremental improvements yeah. from the last fight to this fight. And I think a guy like Greg Hardy, you'll see that every time he fights. Sure. He's new in the sport, but the number one thing he has over Volkov, over anyone in the division, is the athletic side of him. I mean, you're you're taking a super athlete because to be in the NFL, you don't there's athletes and there's super athletes. If you're playing in the NFL, you're a super athlete. So if you're taking that speed, you have to be in the NFL two sixty five, but you gotta run a forty that's yeah, you know under right. five seconds. You gotta be able to jump beyond jump. You gotta be able to sprint. You gotta have that power. You gotta be able to bench press, squat, deadlift at the highest, as still stay fast and explosive. So he's taking that into the sport and he's just gonna learn so quick and so fast. So he has a great chance, like a really good chance. I think that one of the things with Hardy is working off his back foot. Like I think if he can do what Dominic Reyes did against Chris yeah. Weidman. If Catch he can someone use that, in. yeah. If he can use that that force from the back foot, that's I think his best way to stop Volkov. I think if Volkov comes forward and and he's able to put that kind of energy into the punch, I thought the only thing he didn't do in the last fight was to commit to his punches. Yeah, um, which is a good strategy of keeping him technical too. Right. And I think that that was a good fight to do. It that. keeps your because energy down. Chin. It keeps your energy down. It keeps you technical. It keeps you from getting hit. So, I mean, that could be the part of his, uh, you know, involvement in being able to fight for three rounds. Because if you're winging power behind every one of your shots as a heavyweight and you got to fight 15 minutes, then that's a different story. All right. Do you want to make your, your picks for uh, this, this particular one? Uh, yeah, let's do it. You have someone in mind? Um, I feel like you do. Yes and no. Yes and no. I'm kind of, this is, I just don't know enough about his opponent. But uh, I really don't mind uh, Danny Roberts. Who, uh, yeah, hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good number for him. He's he's lost. I mean, he lost to Pereira uh, in pretty devastating fashion, and I think he lost. To but Claudio he just Silva. got caught, and I think yeah. one of them was a split. I think his finish was they thought he was out, but he wasn't, and he was no, freaking he was out. out. <laughs> but he said he was complaining about it. But uh, I just think he's a, a good seasoned vet. He's his opponent's new. I think his first fight with uh, UFC. Yeah. He's eight and zero. No second fight. Second, second fight. fight. He beat Max Griffin last time. Yeah, he's eight and zero. Tough, but uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, Danny Roberts, hot chocolate. All right. I'm going to go with uh, David Zawada, who's fighting Abubakar Nurmagomedov. Zawada's plus 260. And it's not that I, I think that he's um, definitely going to win this fight, but I think that the, the price is just too high based on the Nurmagomedov name. People see Nurmagomedov, and the, the line is always higher than it should be based on just that last name. Yeah. This isn't Khabib fighting. This is a, a different fighter, and this is a guy that's been hit before, and Zawada has fight-ending power. He's got... That's Zawada's bread and butter. Like, if Zawada has any chance on the feet, like, if he's able to keep this on the feet, he's going to have the advantage. And I think that he can, he can score a knockout in this fight. Um, and the line on him... Uh, plus 260. It's plus 260, but the line on him by knockout is plus 700. And, I, and, and inside, too, the guy, the guy has a lot of first-round finishes and a lot of first-round submissions. The line on him by submission is plus 800. Um, and the line on him inside the distance is plus 435. That's a good prop. Like him inside the distance, I think is his best chance to win that fight, and yeah. I think that it's a very possible outcome, based on the uh, the chin. And is that Zabit's uh, brother, by the it's way? It's his cousin. Okay. No, sorry, it's Khabib's cousin. Khabib's, Khabib's cousin. cousin. Yeah. So uh, I, I just I've, I haven't been super impressed with what I've seen from Abubakar. Um, I think he's a very good fighter, but I think that at this kind of a number, I'm very comfortable taking a guy like David Zawada. Yeah. What about my buddy's fighting, Carl Rob- Roberson's fighting, Roman Kopolov? I don't know much about Kopolov. He's a newcomer. Um, that line has moved a lot, I think, in Roberson's favor. I think it opened up. Kopolov was minus 190, and now it's almost even money. Yeah. So a lot of public support coming in on Roberson. I um, hope so. That's my glory guy. 
Yeah, he's he's he didn't look good in his last fight, if I recall. Who did he face? He fought well, no, uh, Wellington Sherman. I think he won that fight by decision, but he didn't look great in it, and he lost to Glover Teixeira before that. But um, yeah, he's just an improving fighter, Roberson. He seems to be getting better. He works with a good camp. I think he works with uh, um, Frankie Edgar and those guys. I think uh, uh, I think mistaken. he gets added into them sometimes. Yeah, once in a while. But I don't know if that's his full camp. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's a guy that. Is uh, is worth a look. So those those are our picks. No guests on this week's show. I wanted to make sure that we uh, touched all the bases. Here. We did. I and, think we uh, did pretty good. Yeah, I think I was just excited to it. hear how you your. I like this show. Hearing your behind the scenes in New York. I think that was cool. I think it was a good add to the show because I'm always curious. I mean, I've seen the fights, but I think your input on being there behind the scenes. It's just made it a, a good show for me. I've got I one like final this. story. I knew you got to go. Um, when I was going, when we were going in. Um, what they did was they ta- they separated us from our bags and had the dogs sniff them because okay. obviously they want to they checking for weaponry or whatever. This which is, is which at is, the venue, yeah, which is a fairly commonplace thing. Like if you go to Super Bowl, they do the same thing. They they separate you from your bags. They have the dogs sniff the bags, make sure there's nothing, and then you open the bags, they check them. Yeah, it's a pretty common practice. The guy behind me in line, I saw on Twitter. He he's a guy from the UK. Was like, I'm gonna do a report on this. They separated us from our bags because the Secret Service are there. He made it into like this big deal. I'm thinking, like, dude, I guess, I guess you just don't cover a lot of sports in America because this is like a pretty a common c- practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was freaking out about it. Uh, he's like, I'm gonna write a report on this. I'm like, oh, it won't be a very accurate report. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do it's with our the Secret safety, Service. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's MSG. It's a big event. The president's gonna be there. But even if the president wasn't there, this kind of thing is. Fairly commonplace. Unless you have something you're hiding. Yeah, like, who exactly. knows? Well, and then at that point, I want you separated from your I bags, buddy. That's well, dope. I mean, he's from the UK. Maybe he brought like a pen with him or something. Yeah, one of the more knows? dangerous weapons you'll encounter That's in the it. UK. You can hurt anybody which with any weapon. Thing, which is not a bad thing, by the way. The yeah. UK are very good with weapons. They, I always you can watch stab those, someone with a pencil. Have you ever watched the, the show Luther? With, uh, no, I heard of it, though. Yeah, Idris Elba. Um, there's always these situations where he, he's like a police officer and he encounters like a, a bad guy, so to speak, with a gun. And he's like, oh, I don't know what to do because the cops there don't carry guns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really? you're like, oh. They, they <laughs> don't like, carry guns, no. really. So the guy's like, he has like a baton. He's like, he doesn't know what to do because the guy's got a gun and he doesn't have yeah. one. You know, Elba <laughs> had a kickboxing fight. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I saw it, I think. I think I saw clips from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool because one of my friends, uh, the videographer for Glory, was one of the names to fight him. Yeah, really? Whereas he was close one fight away, but uh, they picked someone else instead of him. And like, I saw a Mickey Rourke's boxing match I watched. Really? Yeah, Mickey Recently? Rourke had a boxing match no, years ago. Oh, I was going to say, he's pretty old now. Yeah. But he's, he's, old he's, he's around all the boxers. <laughs> yeah, I know. He loves boxing. I think he, I think he trains with like Freddie Roach and those guys at the wild card. Yeah. It's great. Well, anyhow, you got to go. Let's wrap this baby yep. up. That, this is it. a fun one, Joe, and uh, we'll be back next week. You're here next week? I'm here next week. All right. We'll be here next week to discuss the upcoming card in Sao Paulo. Then two weeks without MMA. What are we going to do? I don't well, know. Well, without the UFC. There's lots of MMA, obviously. And glory. And glory. Yeah. Two, so until two then. One weekend. Yeah. Until then, boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.